Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say I'm ready. Let's just see where the word of the Lord is taking us today. Hang with me upstairs. I'm probably going to move some stuff around. I know you love it when you hear that. But take your Bibles and, and turn with me to the narrative that we will explore today, which is Psalms chapter 63. Thank you guys for your willingness to take us into the presence of God. Somebody give an amen for that. Psalms chapter 63, as you're turning there, let me set this up. I'm going to let you be seated in just a moment, so just hang loose with me. Last year, we started this series called Lyrics and Lines. Somebody say Lyrics and Lines. It was a, uh, a series where we would do an in-depth study on individual psalms that we would pull out from the book of Psalms. And I said that we would just continue that series periodically, revisit that series today. I want to look at Psalms chapter 63 and understand this. When we look at these, these psalms, they are worship songs that were used thousands of years ago that have impacted the lyrics and the lines of our worship music today. Psalms chapter 63 was a, a psalm that David wrote when he needed a breakthrough situation. He was in the desert of his life. He needed breakthrough. And so this is what David writes in Psalm 63 verse 1. He says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You God are my God, hold on a second. He needed breakthrough. How many of you know God is a God of breakthrough? I believe there's breakthrough in the house of the Lord today. Some of you need an emotional breakthrough. Some of you need a financial breakthrough. Some of you need a breakthrough in your spirit, a breakthrough in your relationships. If you believe God is a breakthrough kind of God, I want you to go ahead and give him praise because God showed up for Paul and si Listen. Paul and Silas were in a prison cell and they were shouting and screaming and praising God. The Bible says they were singing psalms of praise and God came down and pulled a Tasha Cobbs and broke every chain that was holding them down. Why? Because praise releases the resources from heaven that enables you to overcome what is coming against you. He said, you God are my God. Think about this. He's singing this. You God are my God. Many times people think that praise is just a resource that brings God's provision, but praise is more than that. Praise is a natural reaction to a relationship that we have with God. Did you hear that? Praise is a natural reaction to a relationship that we have with God. Praise is not something that we do in order to receive something. Praise, James, is something that we do in order to give God something. That's why David writes, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. He's singing this in the desert. You, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. Then verse 2 and following, it says, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Somebody lift up your hands right now. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. 
good Lord. Now watch this. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Hold on a second, though. It's verse 1 that will become the foundation for us today, especially our conversation. It says this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He says, I earnestly seek you. Some of your translations say, I look for you. I look for you. You see, if you are climbing something and you have a fear of heights, whatever you are trying to ascend, if you have a fear of heights and you look down, when you look down, you're going to be overwhelmed by fear. So if you want to conquer what you are climbing, you always look up. So somebody look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message. Look up. Look at somebody else and say, look up. Touch three people and say, look up. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Let me give you some context. You, you just keep playing for another moment if you don't mind. Let me give you some context to this narrative of Scripture. Then we'll come back and dissect it. What you need to understand is that David, when he writes this psalm, the extinction of his life is highly possible. In fact, most likely because he has a son by the name of Absalom that now he has a broken relationship with and Absalom wants the throne Absalom is trying to overthrow his father Absalom is trying to kill his father so here is is David with this broken relationship with the son because Absalom is gaining so much more strength that the people are starting to mount up and and support Absalom so Absalom is chasing David and David is on the run and David runs to the desert of Judah and when he gets to the desert of Judah you remember that verse of scripture that we read a few minutes ago that said in 2nd Samuel chapter 16 verse 14 when David and all of the people with him got there they were exhausted that is this particular psalm that he writes in that situation and he writes you God my God you, God, are my God. Look, look at back at verse 1. He's writing this. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. So when he sits down in the desert, when he's worn out and he's tired, he pulls out a pen and he writes, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, you, God, are my God. It almost seems a little repetitive. But if you understand the historical context behind this verse, you understand that it is not repetitive. Because so many nations and pagans began to follow gods, different gods every single week until they could find a God that would meet their need in that individual set of circumstances. And so what would happen is these pagans and other nations that were worshiping gods that would try to meet their needs in that individual circumstance, when they would get to the front side of the problem, they would realize when they looked down that now they had no confidence in their God. And so here was David saying, you God are my God. 
God. You, God, are Elohim. You, God, are Yahweh. You, God, are the I am. You are the one that will never leave me nor forsake you. You are the one true God. I cannot lose confidence in you because you've shown up for me before. I don't know how many of you have been in that situation, but how many times have we allowed what's happening to us to cause us to look down so that we miss the very thing that God is trying to bring from up above? Good Lord, have mercy. How many times have we asked God to rearrange our circumstances so that they become more comfortable rather than allowing God to rearrange our hearts so that he becomes more comfortable in us? So here's David. He says, you, God, are my God. You, God, are my God. Here is David. Can you imagine the brokenness that David must be feeling when he has a child? A son who he not only has a broken relationship with, but this son now wants to kill him. This son is doing everything that he can to make David's life absolutely miserable. And now the son, Absalom, is in the palace while David is in the desert. And David picks up the pen and he could write about his problem, but instead David chooses to write about his God. It's so easy in life to write about the problem. It's so easy to Facebook our problem. It's so easy to text our problem. It's so easy to get caught up in the things that cause us to look down so that we miss what God is trying to do. It's so easy to get caught up in what causes us to look down so that we miss the word that's coming from up above. It's so easy to get caught up in what someone else is doing to us so that we forget who we are serving. It's so easy to get caught up. In fact, our problems become so common that the realization of his word becomes rare. Grab that. Write that down and take it home. He says, you, God. Thank you, brother. You, God. My God. You, God. Somebody say, you, God, are my God. You see, I think we can relate to this narrative of Scripture in so many different ways. It's so applicable. Maybe not necessarily the complexities. Maybe we don't have a, a son who's trying to take us off the throne, who's trying to kill us. But all we have to do is look around at life and we can see so many things that cause us to look down. We're inundated with problems. We're inundated with projections. We're inundated with opinions. We're inundated with fear. We're inundated with all of these different things. All you have to do is watch the news. You begin to watch the news and they project all of this fear upon you. And then what we find out later is that the pharmaceutical companies own the majority of the media outlets. And then we wonder why we're hooked on their product. Let me get off my soapbox. Get back to where I was going. You, God, are my God. In fact, last week I was watching the news. Let me just stay on this for a minute. I was watching the news. And then we're talking about the economy is going to collapse sooner than later. Then all of a sudden you're worried, well, am I going to have a job? Then you begin to worry about your 401k, your stock portfolio. Trump this, Trump that, Trump this, the wall that, not the wall, this, that, the problems everywhere. In fact, we Googled something. Let me, how many of you know Google is pretty smart? Anybody know that? Let, let, me, let me read you something that we Googled. Hold on a second. Here we go. Here's some of the things that cause us to look down. Not having enough money for retirement. Somebody say hello. Not being able to afford medical expenses in an emergency. Mm. Schoolwork or getting good grades. 
How about job performance or uh, having a good standing with our boss? Did you know the statistics say that the majority of people don't like their boss? I don't know if statistics are actually true, but anyway. Never finding the right person to marry, racial injustice, political climate, the crime rate, not achieving your dreams or goals. How others feel about you. Those are things that cause us to look down. Then pile on top of that the other things that we go through, the relational issues, the insecurity issues, the occupational issues. It would be very easy just to talk about and Facebook your problems. David didn't talk about and Facebook his problems. David needed something stronger. David needed more than just a knowledge of who God was. David wanted to know who God was. David needed more than just access to God. David's attitude and how his attitude was was geared towards God in the midst of his difficulty is the most important thing you see it's not access that we have that helps us in our time of need it's not the access that we have towards God James it's our attitude towards God in our time of need it's our attitude towards God that ultimately makes the difference when we're going through something you see there are all kinds of people in church today who say access is good enough for them so just coming to church just to check the box Coming to church is, is good enough. At least I have access to God. Or, or, or they come to church and all they do is swipe Facebook the whole time they're here. But then they wonder why they didn't feel like they were at church when they were at church because they were constantly on Facebook. And then there's people who say, I love church. I just love church. I love it. But they don't live as if they love church. Can I tell you something? In fact, I wrote this down. I don't want to mess this up, so I'm going to give it to you exactly how I wrote it down. When the presence of God becomes common to us, his impact in our lives will become minimal. David wasn't looking for uh, just access to God. He was looking for the presence of God, which ultimately controlled his attitude. And it said, and David refreshed himself there. Hold on a second. I need you to grab this. In Psalm 63, when David is writing this psalm, Mike, it looks as if God did not answer his request at his first call. Because the psalm is a little bit repetitive. Could it be that God sometimes does not answer our request at our first call? He doesn't intervene the first time we call him. Because after all, if he did intervene the first time that we called him, what would cause us to earnestly seek him when we're in a dry and thirsty land? David wasn't looking for just the solution. David didn't want water. David wasn't looking for for the physical solution, water to to nourish his body. David was looking for the spiritual solution so that the spirit of God would nourish his spirit. David wasn't looking for for the solution to be handed to him. David was looking for, for the solution to feed his spirit so that he would have a different attitude towards his situation. Are are you with me here? The Bible says that, that David refreshed himself. There, it reminds me of Jesus' words. Come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It reminds me of cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. It reminds me of Paul's words to the church at Philippi. He says, he says, in all the things that you are going through, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, make your request known to God with thanksgiving in your heart. It's an attitude. With thanksgiving in your heart, then he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. 
standing. Can I tell you something? You will never have the right attitude if you're Facebooking your problem, texting your problem, dwelling on your problem, rehearsing your problem, rather than calling out to the Most High God. Because we've got to look up. Somebody say, look up. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 16, 14, that David refreshed himself there, Paul. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, how did David refresh himself? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. David refreshed himself there. I need you to look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. The answer begins in verse 2. Verse 2, here's what he writes. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. And beheld your power and your glory. He said, I have seen you in the sanctuary and I have beheld your power and your glory. Here's what one theologian said. Hold on a second. Let me give you the point first. In order to be refreshed, we must remember. Think about it. It's all in past tense. He said, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your glory. In order to be refreshed, we must remember. David is looking back. One theologian said this. He said, our spiritual recovery involves building upon the experiences that we have already had with God. Let me give that to you again. He said, our spiritual recovery involves building upon the experiences that we have already had with God. Think about this. David could have easily have sat down in and, and wrote about his problems, his broken relationship with the son, how his son's living in the palace and he's living in the dirt. But he didn't do that. Why? Instead, David reflected upon every other single time when he found himself in a season that he didn't fully understand how God showed up for him. He began to look back at all of the other seasons where God's power and God's love began to manifest itself. When he needed him most, there was God. In fact, David even goes on to say this. Look at verses 3 through 5. Watch this. Verses 3 through 5 says this. It says, because your love is better than life. I love that. You ought to just circle that in your Bibles. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. Ooh, hold on a second. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I need to read this again for emphasis. I need you to grab it. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Hold on a second. It seems like he's fully, fully acting upon this song. It seems like his, his praise, his worship is an active kind of worship. It's not just casual access to God. It's talking about how he lifts up his, how he uses his mouth to lift up praise. How he uses his hands to lift up praise. Hold on a second. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Hold on a second. He's got an active attitude of worship. It says David was refreshed there. There is something about worship that refreshes us. When we begin to activate our worship, when we begin to act upon our worship, when we begin to use our lips, lift up our hands, we begin to sing praise unto God. When we begin to look up, listen, some of you are trying to fight Absalom in your own strength. 
Some of you are trying to fight through your struggles using your own strength. If you are trying to use your own strength to overcome what is coming against you, you will never, ever defeat what is coming against you. You know why? Because your lips will begin to talk about the problems that you're having. Your lips will put your problems on blast. Your lips will put others on blast. Your lips will talk about Absalom more than you really care to talk about Absalom. But what I imagine is David coming to the crest of the hill, writing this song, and then all of a sudden realizing all that God has done... And then he begins to look up and he says, your love is better. Your love is better than my problem. Your love is better than this situation with my son. Your love is better than this broken relationship. Your love is better than this hot, dry, and thirsty wasteland that I'm in. Your love is better than this economy. Your love is better than this social injustice. Your love is better than this situation on the job. Your love is better. You're more. Listen, until you begin to lift up the name of God, you will never overcome what is coming against you. Some of you, God is trying to speak into your life, but your voice is drowning him out. God is saying, that was me that gave you that job. That was me that gave you that breakthrough. That was me that opened up that door for you. That was me that gave to you that healing. That was me that gave to you those talents. That was me that gave to you that ability. That was me that gave to you that connection. That was me that gave to you. My love is better. My love is better than your problem. My love is better than your situation. My love is better. Why? Even God proved his love was better. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. First John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 says that God is love and love comes from God and everybody who loves knows God but those who do not love do not know God. Why? Because his love is better. So I look up in my problem. I look up in my difficulty. I look up in my situation. I look up in my weariness. I look up when I don't know what to do. Somebody help me look up. Somebody praise God and begin to look up. Somebody give him that kind of praise. Lord, have mercy. Somebody say, look up. Somebody else say, stand up. Can I show you one more thing? I feel like they've been a tough crowd this morning. But I got to show you one more thing. How many of you know, sometimes, we even mentioned this a few minutes ago, that, that the difficulties, the worries, the cares of life sometimes keep us up at night. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Can I show you what David did? Let me show you what David did. What David did in verses 6 through 8 is David allowed his daytime attitude to impact his bedtime look what he says he says on my bed I remember you I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help I sing in the shadow of your wings I sing in the shadow of your wings I sing in the shadow of your wings I cling to you your right hand upholds me I sing I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you because your right hand upholds me. Listen, he's telling us something. He's saying to no longer focus upon the horizontal circumstances in your life, but to begin to focus on God. Look up. When I look up, I gain confidence. When I look up, I have help. When I look up, I have that hope. When I look up, I receive a breakthrough. When I look up, I'm able to overcome. When I look up,
up, there's a perspective that shifts within my life. When I look up, I gain that mercy. When I look up, I realize all that he's done for me. When I look up, I'm able to reflect upon all that he's done for me. When I look up, I'm able to use my lips to praise him. When I look up, I'm able to use my hands to praise him. When I look up, you see, we cannot allow what's happening in our lives to drag us down. Rather, we've got to allow our perspective to be shifted in order to look up to him. So I look up because he's better. I look up because he's more. I look up because he is my God. I look up because he's my healer. I look up because he's my provider. I look up even though I'm in the desert wasteland. I know that he will provide for me. So I look up, somebody. Help me look up. Somebody shout, look up. We can't allow what's happening, the Absalom in our lives. Because if you focus upon Absalom, if you try to fight Absalom in your own strength, in your own power, whatever Absalom represents for you, you will be overcome. That's why we have to use our lips and our hands in order to praise him. I don't know who this is for, but somebody in this place, your voice has drowned out the very voice of God because you have been talking about your Absalom, focusing upon your Absalom. That Absalom has kept you up at night made you worries, given you anxieties, robbed you of your attitude, but it's your attitude in God, not just access to God. We all have access to God. It's our attitude towards God when we're going through that difficult situation that gives us the ability to overcome. Because David could have had a different attitude. He could have written Absalom sitting on the throne. He's up in my palace that I built. That's my palace. Who does he think he is? He could have been angry. He could have been even, uh, we know he was heartbroken. He could have even written about how Absalom was doing him wrong, but he didn't. He said, you, God, are my God. You, God, are Elohim. You, God, are Yahweh. You, God, are the I Am. It doesn't matter what other people say or do. I've got to keep my eyes and my mouth upon you. Every head bowed and every eye closed.